Hey, this is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. Would really like to thank you for taking time to check out our podcast, our Sunday sermons, and our Wednesday night Bible studies. You can always share this, download it, or even find it on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. You can also find out about our church service times. We have our Sunday service at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. We're located in the Market Media Building. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Sweet C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's today's teaching. Uh, Mark chapter 7, verses 31 through 37. Let's go ahead and read it. It says, Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through sight into the Sea of Galilee in the region of Decapolis. And they brought, him, uh, brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears. And after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said, Ephatha, uh, that is, be open. And his ears were open, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has, he has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for today's word. We pray uh, for those uh, that aren't here and those that are watching from home, Lord, and those that will catch us later on the podcast. Lord, I just pray that you would just uh, speak to each of our hearts, Lord, um, no matter where we're at, no matter what's going on in our life. This scripture is, is one that is so easy to brush by, uh, but there is so much meat in here. And uh, I pray that... Uh, uh, as we, we are here today, that uh, as we, we prayed and, and worship the Holy Spirit, Lord, you're welcome here. Uh, be in our hearts, Lord, so we can uh, be able to apply your word. Uh, allow us to understand. Uh, we ask that you be with those that, uh, with the family that had the, the loss this past week and and just ask that you be with them through the mourning process and, and, and all the details and things that have to be done. Um, we also pray for our brother Forrest, who's in California, helping his uncle. And uh, just ask that you just continue to be with him. And uh, we pray for, uh, for Wayne and Sarah as they head back from Oklahoma, that you get them home safely. Uh, and we thank you, Lord, for each person here, for the marriages that are represented, for the lives that are here, Lord. Uh, speak to each one of us, Lord, and, and be with the kids as they're with uh, Teresa uh, learning the Word of God. And so we, uh, we thank you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. All right, so on the, uh, the Facebook thingy, it doesn't say this, but it's Mark chapter 7, verse 31 through 37. Astonished beyond measure. Astonished beyond measure is what I entitled this. I love that verse. I love the way that it says that, right? Uh, and that's the encounter that we should have with Christ daily. We should be astonished by measure that He loves us and, and wants a relationship with us, right? We'll look at it in three parts. We'll look at it in verses 31 and 32, pleading to Jesus to heal the man. In verses 33 through 35, private healing. And then verses 36 and 37, proclaimed zealously publicly. And if you ever wonder where the titles are, the, uh, those are on the uh, bulletins and they're also online. So I know for me, I used to always keep notes and, and I would always go, what did he say? And so I had to try to catch up to it. But um, So last week we were actually, or we, we took a break and we went into Colossians chapter Three verses uh, one through four, and the last time we were in the book of Mark, we were dealing with the Syrophoenician woman, right? Uh, she was a Gentile woman that had a daughter that was filled with a demon, an unclean spirit, and she had everything going against her. One, she was a woman. Two, she was a Gentile. You know, three, she had Satan against her because her child was, you know, possessed with the demon, and then she had the um, 
the disciples against her. Remember, she was crying out, begging, begging and begging Jesus to help her daughter. And then Jesus poses a question to her, and in faith, she, she responds back to Jesus, saying what? Yes, Lord. She acknowledged that he was Lord, this Gentile woman. And because of what she said, she's like, I understand that the children, the children of Israel to eat first, but we should be able to get the crumbs. The dogs should be able to get the crumbs, too. And by that faith, Jesus rejoiced and healed her daughter. And, and so as we get into these verses, it would have been so easy to lump all of this together and do one teaching and be done with it. But there's so much in this verse that we need to catch on because there's, there's actually a 700-year prophecy that's answered in this verse. And you can blow by it if you want to. But there's so much here that relates to the other healing that happens with the unclean spirit. And the same type of begging, the same type of pleading, right? All of that's going to happen in these verses. And, and every time that I looked at this, I was like, I, I don't want to rush past it. I want to take it slow because I, I'm looking at it and I'm like, there's so much that I need to learn from this. And so as we look at these, these verses, we see in, in, uh, in verse 31 as we plead, as they, there's pleading for Jesus to heal the man. They, uh, then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through side into the Sea of Galilee in the region of Decapolis. Now, on the coast, they would have been, uh, this makes no sense to go to Decapolis because it's actually a horse-shaped he, he would have gone like a horseshoe-shaped journey. 120 miles he goes. So he's 120 20 miles he's going to walk. It's an unusual course that he's going to take. And the reason he's doing this is because, remember, he had the Herodians and the Pharisees and scribes that wanted to destroy him. And his popularity is getting more and more. And, and so he has to, he has to evade and move in, in, in circles that, that he would normally, you know, uh, that, that the Jews would never go. They, he knows the Jews would never, the scribes and the Pharisees would never show up in a Gentile nation like this. And so he ends up taking them to Decapolis. Now understand this, is in Decapolis is a Gentile area. In Decapolis, is, it was Hellenized, and so it, it had Greek statues. It has statues of Zeus and Neptune and Diana worship, right? Which was sexual morality that was being worshipped. And, and so, and, and this is the Son of God, the Messiah, who says you're not supposed to have idols. He's walking right in the middle of the idols. He's teaching his disciples, this is where your ministry is going to be. This is the disciples walking for the first time with Gentiles and pigs and idolatry. And they're like, what are we doing? And so that's why it's very important to get the scene of what we're looking at. And I'm going to share something a little more just to show you how, how, how God plans everything, right? Because if you look at Mark chapter 5, in Mark chapter 5, that was the demon-possessed man, right? In Mark chapter 5, it says, They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And, and when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but, a wretched, uh, but he wrenched the chains apart, he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he always was crying out and cutting, him, cutting himself with stones. You go down to verse 15 after Jesus heals him. In verse 15 it says, And then Jesus came, uh, and they came uh, to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion, sitting there clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who, had been, uh, those who had seen it described to, the, uh, to them what had happened to the uh, demon-possessed man and to the pigs. 
Remember that Jesus cast out the legions and they run into the pigs. The pigs drown themselves. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from the region. And he was getting into the boat and the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, uh, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he had had mercy on you. And this is the important part in verse 20. And he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. So now you see they, the, the message has gone out to where? Decapolis. And where these men are at that are going to bring uh, the, the man with the speech impediment that's death, they've heard. Just like the Syrophoenician woman heard. Because it goes back to what we see here that he proclaimed and did exactly what Jesus had told him to do. He went and proclaimed it in Decapolis. And so we pick it up in verse 32. It says, And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hands on him. They brought him, and they begged him. And, and you know, just as a little side note, you need some days in your life. Those are the people that will actually bring you to Jesus. Right? Those are the ones that, that say, you know what, it's time for you to come back to church. It's, it's, it's the same ones that say, you know what, let's, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. We need these godly friends in our lives as well. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. Are you a day in somebody's life as well? Right? In Philippians chapter 2, uh, or as we look at that verse, you know, it's easy for me to look at my own interest. <laughs> Think about that just for a second, right? It's easy for us to be selfish. But for us to think of others... That, that's what these, you know, that, that they were doing, that they cared about this, this man that was deaf and mute, and they were like, we've got to take him to Jesus. James chapter 2, verse 8 says, If you really, if you really uh, fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. Sadly, in this day and age, most people don't know their neighbors. When I grew up, we knew, like, we knew all of our neighbors. In Georgia, you know your neighbors. And, and so, matter of fact, I remember my neighbor in Georgia. I had to go, Thomas. He was deer hunting. His wife came beating on the door and asked me, Teresa, hey, can you come over and kill a snake? I hate snakes. <laughs> the only thing I want to do with the snake is kill it anyway. But I was like, I was like Thomas kills everything. How come he's not here? <laughs> but we knew each other, Right? And so even though I hated snakes, I went over there and took care of the snake. And so we, you, you have to think of others more than yourselves, right? And I love that. And he says, and they brought him to a man who, who was deaf and had a speech impediment. So he couldn't hear. Now, we don't know if he couldn't hear since childhood. We don't know. It doesn't tell us that. We don't know if it was an illness that he received later on. But it wouldn't, it wouldn't make sense because it says that he had a speech impediment. And the speech impediment they're talking about, they're saying the word that's used there is that he was actually, he wasn't able to articulate or communicate what to say. So meaning he never knew a language because he was deaf. Most likely since childhood. And so one of the things I want to talk about this is if you know somebody that has a disability or you know somebody that, that um, you know, has a child that has a disability, I love this verse because Moses, Moses had a speech impediment too. He stuttered. But I love what, what God says, and this is very important. In Exodus chapter 4, verse 11, it says, Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? 
Do you understand that God makes some that are mute and deaf and blind? That's the fallen world we live in. But it's to remind us, like, if we look at these verses, the Jews with this man would have considered him to be unclean because he was deaf and mute. They would have considered him to be a demon and would have nothing to do with him at all. The other thing is, is to remember, just think about our society. 200 years ago, they were killing people that were deaf and mute. They, they, had, they were no good to nobody. In certain parts of the world, they would just kill them. A hundred years ago, what did we do in the U.S. if somebody was deaf and mute? They got put in an asylum. And yet we read that scripture in Exodus, and I think to myself, how did we miss this? How did the Jews miss this? If God created them, right? The Lord said, Who, who's made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? It's, it's I, the Lord. It's God. And so no matter what you're going through, no matter what despair, no matter how bad the disability is, you have Jesus. You have Jesus. And, and at the end of the day, that's why, you know, we have to remember that, that it's God that's, that's going to touch each life. No matter, no matter how bad you think that person is. We used to, I don't know if you remember, do you remember, Ms. we used to have that person that was, um, that was uh, handicapped that could, in the wheelchair, and, and we'd be in service, and he would be, he would be, he would be there, and he'd be like, praise God. And you would look at the circumstance, and you go, but that's God's child. And the person that cared for him as well. God bless him. And so we, we need to remember that. There are people that, that, that struggle, you know, and we need to be there and help them as well too. And, um, you know, my daughter, uh, she's a special needs teacher. And so, you know, she, she understands this a lot better than like when she reads the scripture, she understands it. What these kids go through. It's tough. But they begged him to lay... Uh, hands on him now why did they beg him to lay hands on him it it, it you know it, we know back in Luke chapter 4 verse 40 it says now when the sun was setting all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them so they may have heard that this is how Jesus healed them by laying hands so we need to go take him to Jesus and beg Jesus to lay hands on him to heal him when we just found out from the Syrophoenician, all he has to do is, she's healed, right? Same thing with the Roman centurion. So now what's going to happen, we're going to see Jesus do a private healing. And in verses 33 through 35, and taking him aside from the crowd privately. He takes him aside privately. When we get into the book of Mark in uh, verse 23, it's going to, he'll do the same thing with the blind man. He took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And so he, he, he does it privately. And it's a reminder to us that God does not heal the same way, the same, the same type every time. He's not, he's not a one-size-fits-all God. It's not a generic God. It's not the great value God, right? That's not our God. I had a pastor... There was something else y'all got. I didn't forget to tell y'all. I got to talk to the uh, the pastor who's in charge of the DMF, which is they oversee the Divine Food Pantry and another ministry where they f they help the elderly with their houses. So when the elderly have um, repairs that they can't do, uh, the churches go in and do it, and they do that during the summer. That'll happen during the summertime, and so we can do one or two things. We can either tithe and help them do that or we can come alongside of them and physically help them do that and they usually do it on a saturday if i remember right and so sometimes they'll build whole roofs because the people's roofs are so bad um but they have a list of people that they go out and help and and he told me something that that really stood out to me is it's like 
you know, just remember that, you know, that God is, because I told him, I said, well, you know, we're, we're a small church. And he goes, man, God, nothing God does is small. I said, he goes, you remember that. And I was like, I wrote that down, bro. I was like, thank you for the bit of wisdom. I needed that, man. Uh, so I'm actually going to go to the, uh, the DMF board meeting, I think, in December. They asked me to come and, and, and uh, sit in and, and be a part of that. But it was a really blessing. But it's a reminder to us. It's like he said, each church in divine. Because we're not trying to pick sheep off from each other. That's not what we're trying to do. But each church in divine serves a purpose. Just like that Spanish church serves a purpose here in divine. And we're all doing the ministry of the Lord. And so, you know, that's one thing to remember. As Jesus pulls him privately, he doesn't heal him the same way. But he also knows personally and privately what, you, what your needs are. Because he knows your heart. You need to remember that. Remember, it's a, it's a relationship. There's a, there's a relationship that goes both ways. And, and, and he wants that private time with you. He wants that one-on-one time with you. You know, don't neglect that. And it says after he says privately, uh, from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue. And so uh, one of the things that he would have done by, by putting his fingers in his ears is to let him know, I understand. Because remember now, the man can't communicate and there is no sign language in this time. Okay? So there's no way for this guy to articulate, communicate what his needs are. And Jesus puts his fingers in his ears to let him know, I understand your ears are closed. And I'm going to open them. And he spits. Now it doesn't say that he spits in his hands. Another way, and this was one of the, the studies that I looked at, they would actually, for someone who was deaf and who couldn't, uh, who was mute, that couldn't speak, they would spit on the ground to let the person know, I can't speak. So that way, a Jew could and move away from them because they were unclean. And so we don't know if he spits on the ground, but he says spitting, he touched his tongue. After spitting, he touched his tongue. And so uh, the other thing he's doing, he's like, I understand that your tongue is, is blocked as well. And, and, and God's by God's grace, He's going to open those both up. And there's something important that happens in verse 34 that we can't miss. And it says, in looking up to heaven, He sighed. He sighed. Looking up to heaven, He sighed. Now, we know that Jesus looked up to heaven when He raised Lazarus from the dead. In John 11, verse 41, it says, So they... Uh, took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. We also know that Jesus looks up to heaven as he closes in the discourse of, of his discourse. And in John 17, 1, it says, And when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven. Right? And that word sigh means to groan. To groan. It actually means to pray inwardly audibly to groan he sighed he looked up to heaven romans eight twenty three says and and not only the creation but we are ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoptions as sons the redemption of our bodies we groan we groan because of the fallness of man we groan because of what sin has done to this world and it's the same groaning that happens to a mother at childbirth. The pain. But when the baby's given, the pain goes away, right? That's what happens when we go to heaven. You forget about that. That's why you have one, two, three, four, five kids. And, you, and every time you go, that's the last one I'm going to have. <laughs> in Romans 8, 26, it says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for we ought to but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words when we don't know what to pray that groaning that sighing the spirit prays for us when we don't know what to pray 
It's the same word used in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 2 through 4. For in this tent we groan. And I imagine some of us groaned as we got out of bed this morning. Not complaining, but groaning because of our bodies are falling apart on us, right? Longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on uh, we may not be found naked. For while we were still in this tent, we groaned, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. So Jesus sighs and he looks up to heaven. And you have to wonder in that sigh, was he sighing because of the groan of knowing the fallen world that we're in? He's seen it. Remember he said back in Mark, I forget what chapter it was, I think it was chapter 6, or maybe 5, but he says he had compassion on them because they were sheep without a shepherd. Right? Sheep without a shepherd. He sighed maybe because he understood that the illness that this man had, the disease that this man had was produced by the sin of this world. Started with Adam and Eve. Maybe he sighed because he understood the pain that this man had been going through, not being able to tell somebody what his needs were, not being able to hear Because he understood his heart. And so that's why he says, looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, if, so it's ephatha, ephatha, that is be open. Now that's actually in the Aramaic. Now why he would have said this in the Aramaic, the man didn't understand because his ears were closed. Right? Be open. It's, it's, it means to receive power. Be open in power of hearing. Uh, you know, so Jesus speaks the word be open and, and, and then he says it in Aramaic and this guy doesn't speak Aramaic or Greek. And that same word open is the same word that, that Lydia in Acts chapter 16 verse 14 when he heard of us was a woman named Lydia uh, from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what, what, said, uh, what was said by Paul. It's like her heart was open to hear. In Luke chapter 24, verse 31 through 32, and their eyes were opened and they recognized him. This is the guys on, on the road uh, with Jesus after Jesus' resurrection, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, "Did not your heart, uh, did not our heart burn with us uh, within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures?" It's the same word used when Stephen was martyred, stoned to death, in, in Acts chapter seven, verse fifty-six, and he said, "Behold, I see the heavens opened." And the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And then he says in verse 35, And his ears were opened. His ears were opened. His tongue, and this, I love this, his tongue was released and he spoke plainly. So this literally means Jesus untied his tongue. This is where we get the expression tongue-tied. Okay, that's where it comes from. In the Greek, it means to untie the tongue. So he, he, he releases him from the bondage of not being able to hear, from the, from the bondage of not being able to speak, and he speaks plainly. Now, does he speak in Aramaic or Greek? We don't know, but he speaks plainly. Enough to where people are like, what is going on? Now, Matthew doesn't give a complete... Uh, accounting of this is only in Mark. But Matthew covers it in this way in Matthew 15, verses 30 and 31. It says, And crowds came to him, bringing with him the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and they, and they put them at his feet, and he healed them, so that the crowd wondered when they saw the mute speaking. They're like, what is going on? That dude couldn't hear or speak, and he's speaking plainly. 
And there's the beauty of it. The, uh, the crippled, healthy, the lame walking, the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. So they're not glorifying the false gods of Neptune and Diana and Zeus. They're glorifying the God of Israel. Very important. Mark's the only one that gives that account. And lastly, we see in, the, in verses 36 and 37, proclaimed zealously publicly. I don't know what was going on in my head when I did that. <laughs> proclaimed zealously publicly. In verse 36, it says, And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And so he healed him privately, but they're going to tell everybody publicly. Right? He tells them to keep quiet, and yet he charges them not to say anything. He commands them, don't say anything. Now, you know, we know that he did this before in Mark chapter 1, in verses 42 through 45, and immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer. Uh, for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But when he went out and began to talk freely about it and spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in the desolate places and the people were coming to him from every quarter. And so Jesus is his, it's not his time for him to be made known yet. And so that's why he charges them to say nothing. Right? And so we see a couple of different reasons. One, one of the reasons he, he charged them not to say anything because he didn't want people to just know him as a miracle worker. He wanted them to know that there was, a, a, that there was a, a chance for them to have their sins forgiven through salvation. We, we know that he didn't want them to know because every time it was made known publicly, it hindered his, the way that he could move. That's why he had to go 120 miles out of his way. Because people were trying to kill him. And so there are reasons why Jesus charged them not to say anything. And, and so one of the things that, that I thought about with this verse is some of y'all still have your tongues tied. And what I mean by that is like you're, you're okay with Jesus charging you not to say nothing and proclaiming the gospel. Right? I think, I think some Christians would be like, go ahead and charge me with that, Jesus. I'm good. I don't really want to do it. But we know that we're supposed to. We've been commanded to. And, and so Romans chapter 1, verse 16, we know the verse very well. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is uh, the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And then we've been commanded in Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Uh, well, I don't want to share it with that person. You don't get a choice. It says to the whole creation, everyone, right? And then here's where we get our title from. It says in verse 37, and they were astonished beyond measure. Well, think about that just for a second. When was the last time you were astonished beyond measure of something that God did? Because I think if we, if we look at our lives, there should be times where we go, man, that was all the Lord. I don't even know how. I don't even know how this happened. You should be astonished beyond measure just because of your salvation, right? And that's why we're supposed to share it. Because it, it re makes us reflect on Jesus, not ourselves. That's what Jesus does, right? But they were astonished beyond measure, meaning that they were like mouths open in amazement. It's like that cartoon, you know, when the mouth would drop and they would have to put the mouth back up. They kept trying to put it back up as it dropped. That's how they were amazed. And, and even, if we, even if we're not astonished beyond measure, the stones will cry out. It tells us that in Scripture. In Luke chapter 19, verse 40, he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones will cry out. Even if we don't worship, even if we're not amazed, the stones will cry out. In verse 37, it says, And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. Very important. 
He does all. Now, when we read that verse, one of the things that reminded me of immediately was in Genesis chapter 1, uh, verses 26 through 31. And it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our own image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creepy thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image and image of God he created him. Male and female he created them and God blessed them. And God said to them, be uh, fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the birds I have dominion over the fish over of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed. I, I think of David and David garden seed with that is his his little business. <laughs> when I read that today, the other day I read that and I was like, that's David. You know, because he's, he's got a garden seed business. Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with the seed and its fruits, and you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth. And, uh, and, and it says everything that has breath of, of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was... So when God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And, the very, and there was evening, and then there was morning the sixth day. And so we know that when God created light, it was good. And so it's hard for us to think that he does all things well at times. Okay? I mean, if we're going to be honest, there are probably times where we've gone through those those moments of being in the valley where we're thinking, where and what is happening? I don't see the good. I, I, I'm trying, I'm struggling with, with what's going on right now. He does all things well, but I'm in pain. Right? One thing that we, we, we need to remember is that you know, I look back at my life before Christ and I think I, I don't deserve to be a follower of Jesus, really. If I was going to save myself, I wouldn't have saved myself. I knew me. And, and Jesus knew me and yet he saved me. And I look back at it and I think, man, why didn't it happen sooner? He does all things well. It's in his timing. I look at my life now and I think, man, I only have so many, so many years of ministry. If I would have just started 20 years ago, that's not how it happened. He does all things well. I think about this church and, and, and how he's done things in this church already and, I, and even just at the Cagris Fest and he does all things well in his timing. He's never failed. And so we need to remember, like, we praise his name every day. And, and even though we may go through those times, and I will tell you, there'll be a time when you will question this verse. And you should highlight this one. He does all things well. You need to remind yourself that when you're in the valley. Because every one of you will go through the valley of the shadow of death, but who's going to be with you? The shepherd. Everybody wants to joy. I love those mountaintop moments, right? They're great. But in order to get to the mountaintop, you got to go through the dark valley. And yet he does all things well. You know, when we have terrible events that happen in our life and we think, what is going on? He does all things well. When we have somebody who leaves the earth too quick, they were too young, he does all things well. When someone dies of old age, and you say, man, if we just had one more year with mom or with dad, he does all things well. 
You have to you have to have that ingrained in your heart. Because there's going to come a time when you leave this world either by death or by rapture. And you'll sit back and hopefully you hear well done, good and faithful servant. And you'll look back over the days of your life and you go, you know what? He does all things well. He did it all well. He was working when I, I couldn't even see it. And so that's, when I read this, this verse, that's why I didn't rush through it. I couldn't lump this together with the other story. Because I was like, man, that is a powerful statement. They were astonished beyond measure. And he does all things well. These are the Gentiles that are in Decapolis with idolatry surrounding them and sexual morality surrounding them. And they're saying, he does all things well. And we need to remember that. And after he says that, that they say that he has done all things well. It says he, he even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. That is a precise prophecy from 700 years earlier from, uh, from uh, Isaiah. 700 years earlier from Isaiah. When the Messiah is going to show up. And the area of Lebanon that is discussed in the scripture is actually this area. But see, one of the things we learned, I don't know if you, one of the things we learned about apologetics, I don't know if you get a chance on the CCA, um, the conference was this past week, the Pastors and Leaders Conference. The teachings are up for everybody um, on Somebody Loves Me, or Somebody Loves You Radio. Somebody, everybody loves me. <laughs> somebody Loves Me or Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese, this app. They have all the teachings from the Calvary Chapel Pastors and Leaders Conference. And one of the pastors talked about it, how, how the, the genera this generation don't care about facts. They don't care about apologetics. I can point to them in Scripture and show them in prophecy that this was answered, and they don't care. There, it's like we have to adjust. Remember we talk about when we share the gospel, we... We use the same fishing pole, but we use different lures. And we're going to be using different lures with this generation because they get information. And, and, and can I be honest with you? There's so much misinformation. That's why they struggle with believing it. That's why they struggle with believing it. So think about this. You know, when's the last time the world agreed on anything? But they're agreeing on a lot lately. And so for me, when I thought about that, I was like, man, I can see this in prophecy and I can show somebody in prophecy, but they still won't believe it because of all the deception and misinformation out there. And the enemy has used these social networks and companies to disseminate this mess and has confused a lot of kids. And so we have our work cut out for us. We have to, we have to, you know, one of the biggest things that they're going to be looking at is your actions. Does, does it line up? It says you're supposed to love me. Do you love me? Where's that brotherly love with each other, you know? They're fighting too. The verse that it comes from is Isaiah chapter 35. And it's actually verses 5 and 6, but I'm going to read verses 1 through 10 and we'll close it out here. And it says that the, the wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus and, and shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing the glory of Lebanon. So that's the area that he's talking about in Lebanon. Shall be given to it the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God, strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. 
Y'all have to understand the only way that we will win this battle is on our knees. And we need to ask the Lord to help strengthen our feeble knees. Okay? Prayer. Prayer. We need to be praying. It says, Say to those who have been ranxious heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with rec- recompense. Hey, got it right, man. I struggled. How long did I mess with that word that time? Recompense. I, I said that word probably five times. I couldn't get that word out right. Praise God. I can learn. Thank you, Lord. With recompense of God, He will come and save you. And then the, the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. That's it right there. Then they shall, then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sang for joy. That's the verse. He spoke plainly. The mute sang for joy. And I love the rest of this. It says, For the waters break forth in the wilderness, and the streams in the deserts. In the desert, the burning and the sand shall become a pool. And the thirsty uh, ground springs of water and the, uh, the haunt of the jackals where they lie down. The grass shall become reeds and rushes. And, and verse 8 is beautiful. And the highway shall be there and it shall be called the way of holiness. Man, you need to ask yourself which highway you're on. Because that narrow highway is the way of holiness, right? It's called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even uh, they are fools. They shall not go astray. No lion shall be there. Any ravenous beast come up on it. They shall not be found there. But, they, uh, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall be returned. And, and come to Zion with singing everlasting joy shall be uh, upon their heads. They shall attain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee, for it, flee away. So do you understand that it says here that it says that they shall obtain gladness and joy? That doesn't happen in this world. Okay? You get temporal parts of it. And, and that's, that's, we have joy in the Lord. Right? Jesus, others, you. That's how that really works. Um, but it, it, when we get to heaven, it says everlasting joy. And that verse in verse 10, it's everlasting joy that shall come, uh, uh, that shall be upon their heads and the, their, they shall obtain gladness and joy. And sorrow and sighing shall flee away, groaning, because this world is no more. It's done. That's why it says in that verse, and, and you know, to um, and the ransomed of the Lord child. That means that the debt was paid in full. Those that are His, right? The same sign in in, in Mark seven thirty four, where He's looking up to heaven and He sighed. It's gone. It's the, this world is done. There'll be a time when this is over. That's a beautiful verse. And this man is healed. And so, a couple questions for us, and I don't think they're in their court, so don't worry about these. A um, couple questions. Are you allowing Jesus to minister to you privately? So he pulled the man privately to heal him. Are you allowing yourself to have that private time with Jesus? Right? It's easy for us to... to and, and I don't mean to beat up on people that are at home watching this or anything, but it's easy for us to sit on a couch and watch it. But we need, you know, we need that private time too, but we also need fellowship too. Uh, private time with Jesus is priority number one. You need that time to be in His Word, to be in prayer, and, and it's such an important thing. Uh, the second thing is, are your ears spiritually deaf to the Word of God? Do they need to be open? Right? Uh, that happens to some people. Their hearts start getting hard and, and they just, they close off. They get into, you know, it's always funny. We used to find <laughs> where people would do, they'd be drawing and stuff in the back during service. 
or, or they they would be disagreeing with things that Joe was saying on the paper, and I'm like, what are their ears open, right? He's sharing God's word, and, and we we can be spiritually deaf at times, right? To God's word, we need to the couple things. We need to ask God, you know, if we're, if we're being spiritually deaf or spiritually blind to, to doing what God's Word is calling us to do or our hearts are closed off, we need to ask the Lord to help us with that. Uh, is your tongue spiritually tied and, you, and so you don't proclaim the, the gospel? You're like, I'm okay with my tongue being tied up. I don't want to share the gospel. I'm good with Him charging, charging them not to... To, to share about Jesus. But they went zealously and shared Christ. And that's how we should be as well. That's how we should be as well. And then the last thing. Do you have those days in your life? Those godly friends that will bring you to Jesus? Right? We all need them. We do. Those brothers and sisters in Christ that will pray with you, that will listen to you, that will be there for you, we need that. And so, doesn't seem like that many verses, right? But a lot covered in those little verses. Let's go ahead and pray. Well, Father God, we thank you so much for today's word. We pray, Lord, if our hearts or our ears or our our mouth is, is not open to sharing the Word of God, to hearing the Word of God, to receiving the Word of God. Help us with that, Lord. Uh, we also ask, Lord, for application through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let us look at our own lives and see what we can apply from this. Lord, I pray that we would have godly friends. We all need them. We need those, those godly friends that will bring us to you. There are times when we've fallen away and somebody says, you need to come back to church. We need to get you, get you right, and, and, uh, and that's okay. You know, we need, those, we need those people in our lives as well, but we also need those people that will just listen as we need to cry out and, and, and then pray with us. Uh, but I do pray, Lord, that, uh, that those that uh, are here today and those that uh, are watching at home and, and uh, at the same time, Lord, we just pray. Uh, for application in our lives. We thank you so much for everything that you're doing. Uh, as we, we are blessed uh, to know that, that you're working here in Divine, uh, in the community of Divine, and then also in Medina County, we just pray that you just continue to do a mighty work, uh, not only in this church, but also in this community. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless.